0: It's Curiosity editor Alexandra Solomon and like many of you the Curiosity team watched the news on January 6 when insurrectionists stormed the US Capitol building seeking to disrupt the final count of the electoral ballots and overturn the presidential election. USA! 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 When they breached the Capitol walls some demanded to see the lawmakers inside. And others called for something more execution. As we tape this podcast, an impeachment vote is underway, the second one involving President Trump. In the past, in times of national crisis, the political right, left, and center were often able to transcend their differences, coming together in a sign of unity and solidarity. But in the immediate aftermath of the pro-Trump mob's dissension on the Capitol, and the violence and death it wrought, the intense division we've seen was amplified, with many politicians on the left and the right fighting as bitterly as they had before.
1: The President of the United States is unhinged, unfit, and unstable. Or as we say in my district, esta loco el hombre.
2: Wednesday, they called for unity, democracy, and healing. Now, just days later, seeking power and political advantage, The Democrats have reverted to the mean. They've gone back to their natural state, the party of impeachment, removal, and division.
0: And other influential voices holding fast to their respective sides. What happened today will be used by the people taking power to justify stripping you of the rights you were born with as an American. Your right to speak without being censored. Your right to assemble, to not be spied upon, to make a living to defend your
2: family most critically. I feel like as an observer of this, I don't much care what Donald Trump says right now. Um, I don't much care what the Republicans who've caused this problem um, do to try to mitigate the impact of what they have done.
0: This is a problem- What's happened over the last week got us thinking about another time our country was divided, the Civil War. But even then, when our nation was literally at war with itself, cities like Chicago came together in harmony to take on the South. At least that's what we tell ourselves. That's the assumption we often make. But was that true? It's a question curiosity answered a few years ago about whether everyone in Chicago was united in their support for the war. Producer Jesse Dukes has the answer. That's just ahead.
1: In 1863, the Civil War was raging. In one major newspaper in Chicago, the Chicago Times was growing increasingly skeptical of the war. The paper wrote article after article attacking the leadership of President Abraham Lincoln. It accused him of tyranny, called him Tsar Abraham, and the Times pushed Lincoln to find a compromise with the Confederacy and end the war. Ambrose Burnside was a general for the North, or more accurately, the Union Army, and... He took
2: it upon his own initiative, not checking with the Lincoln administration.
1: This is Chicago Civil War historian Ted Karamansky. He sent troops at Bayonet
2: Point to go ahead and close down the Chicago Times because he regarded them as
1: encouraging the resistance to the draft. But the publisher of the Times got wind the soldiers were coming and ran off some posters announcing the Union Army was going to shut down the paper.
2: And as the day goes on, crowds begin to build up in the street.
1: Crowds of Chicagoans who supported the Times. They protested the crackdown, and they threatened to burn down the Tribune building. That newspaper was pro-Lincoln and pro-war. President Lincoln... Ever Pragmatic sent a telegram to Chicago, ordering the Union soldiers to back off and let the Times publish their paper. The crowds dispersed. That story shows just how divided Chicago was over the Civil War. And that's what our question is about. It's from Will Butsky. And it came to him after he'd watched the movie Gangs of New York. You know, in the movie, they depict the uh, New York City draft riots. If you haven't seen it, the film shows how thousands of New Yorkers protested the Civil War, especially the draft. Over 100 people were killed. The protests were so violent, the army had to be brought in to stop them. Will found it surprising that New York, a northern city, was so opposed to the Civil War, which made him wonder, was Chicago divided over its support for the Civil War? You know, growing up in the Chicago area, it always seemed like We were taught how Illinois was on the good side and like how Illinois and Chicago were pro-Union. So I was just wondering, was that always the case or is that kind of just how how we were taught? Will's on to something. We might think of the North, the Union, as the good guys because they fought for the side that ended slavery. But while many Chicagoans fought for the Union, most did not fight to end slavery. And as the Chicago Times story shows, many Chicagoans opposed Abraham Lincoln's policies during the war or opposed the war outright. So to answer Will's question, we'll focus on a couple specific groups with very different experiences of the war, Irish Americans and African Americans. And we'll look at how the war went from popular to controversial in Chicago in just a few years. So quickly, a little background. In the spring of 1861, the nation was on the brink of war. Chicago was pretty evenly divided between Democrats and Republicans, but those parties were different than they are now. Abraham Lincoln, a Republican, had just been elected president on the promise to stop slavery from spreading to the West. Several southern states threatened to leave the country, secede in retaliation, which could lead to a war. Almost nobody wanted war, but Republicans were unwilling to compromise on the slavery issue. The Democrats were more sympathetic to the South. Stephen Douglas, who was Lincoln's main political rival, he wanted to appease the South with a 13th Amendment to the Constitution. As Ted Karamansky points out, not the one we have now.
2: Instead of abolishing slavery, this one would have
1: made slavery perpetual. But that compromise failed. Fighting broke out in April of 1861, the Confederacy formed in the South, and the war was on. So in Chicago, the Republicans were loyal to Lincoln and supported the war. But Lincoln also needed the Democrats to support the war. In Chicago, the support hinged on Stephen Douglas. And remember, he and Lincoln were rivals. But when the war started... Douglas put his rivalry aside for the sake of holding the country together. He made a speech in Chicago to Democrats, calling for loyalty to Lincoln and support for the war.
2: And he concludes that address by noting, in a crisis like this, there are only patriots or traitors. Basically saying, Democrats, we know you're patriots. Karamansky says this speech made a big difference. If Douglas had simply said, okay, Lincoln... I said your policies were unwise to begin with. Nobody wanted to listen to me. If he had been like a sulky child,
1: Lincoln would have had a much more difficult time rallying the North. But Democrats in Chicago listened to Stephen Douglas and supported the war. And men from both parties began signing up to fight enthusiastically. Lincoln asked Illinois for 6,000 soldiers, or six regiments. And they met that quota in days.
2: Individuals begin to organize new regiments, even though they're not asked for by the government. And then they insist, they send these petitions to the governor. You have to accept this, and the governor has to write to Lincoln. You have to accept this regiment. Democrats, Republicans, uh, everybody's rushing to arms.
1: That included Irish Americans. They were one of the newest groups of immigrants in Chicago in the 1860s. And according to historian Eileen McMahon... They were getting mixed signals from their new country.
4: They're really perhaps not sure of what to make about these. They know what America is supposed to stand for. But on the other hand, they've had experience with prejudice against their religion, prejudice against themselves.
1: They were usually Democrats because Democrats welcomed immigrants. As Democrats, they were not in favor of Lincoln's anti-slavery policies. But they did want to keep the country together. So when the war broke out, they listened to Stephen Douglas.
4: You know, when Douglas first says, we got to support the war, you know, and the Union, this is most important. I mean, the Irish can embrace that.
1: Like many white Chicagoans, Irish didn't see the war as being about slavery. They saw it as keeping their adopted country whole. An Irish brigade formed in Chicago. They marched under a green flag. They fought in an early battle in Missouri and lost, but they were celebrated in Chicago for fighting valiantly. And Irish continued to enlist and fight as the war went on.
4: In one battle, Southerners look across the field and say, oh gosh, there's those damn green flags. (laughs) They had a a great reputation as, as
1: fighters. After the break... African-Americans in Chicago enter the fray in a bid to end slavery.
3: This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at afsp.org slash dark. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, The Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org.
1: As the Civil War raged on, African Americans in Chicago were figuring out how to respond to the war. There were only about a 1,000 in Chicago, some of whom were fugitives who had escaped slavery in the South.
5: They were uh, basically united as a group.
1: This is historian Christopher Reed, an expert on African-American history in
5: Chicago. They looked after each other. What else could they do? They were looked upon by white society as a group that lacked true status as part of global humanity. And that was the reality. Black Chicagoans had to avoid slave catchers
1: from the South and had to deal with these so-called black laws. Those laws restricted them from many things, including voting and testifying in court. And the outbreak of the war made some black Chicagoans nervous.
5: There was no guarantee that the North was going to win the war. And the South won. There was no telling what was going to happen to people who had been, what, fugitives and who were legally bound to masters in the South.
1: African-Americans weren't allowed to fight, so black men volunteered for non-combat service while lobbying to be allowed to serve in the army. But in 1863, two years into the war, some Chicagoans began to reconsider their support of the war. It had gone on way longer than expected. Tens of thousands had died. And three big things happened at this time. Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation, which made ending slavery an explicit goal of the war. Lincoln decided to allow black soldiers to fight. And as it got harder to recruit troops, Congress laid the groundwork for a draft. All of these changes were unpopular with Irish Americans. In Chicago, Irish were already in competition with African Americans for low-wage jobs. And according to Eileen McMahon, already uncertain about their place in America.
4: They're seeing is that if America is supposed to be about freedom, you know, there's a threat of a draft now. Uh, there's suppression of the press. We're supposed to be freeing slaves, but on the other hand, we look less and less free. I think all of those things combine with this sense of insecurity of even who are we in this country? And they begin to the question why should I be fighting?
1: Government officials went to Irish neighborhoods to register men for a possible draft, and Irish resisted. Men hid out and women wouldn't cooperate. One officer was threatened at knife point. Others hit with rocks and bricks. African-Americans also experienced prejudice in Chicago, even more than the Irish. But African-Americans remained eager to fight throughout the war. Christopher Reed says as soon as the first black regiment was formed in Massachusetts in 1863, dozens of black men in Chicago took the train east to enroll and fight in that unit. And black business leaders in Chicago wanted an Illinois regiment.
5: Now they pressured the government for months until the governor said, yes, we will raise a black regiment. Blacks recruited other blacks up and down the streets of Chicago.
1: They also recruited black soldiers from Wisconsin and throughout northern Illinois and eventually raised about 1,000 soldiers for the all-black 29th Illinois Infantry. The 29th was a key part of the army that outnumbered and surrounded Confederate General Robert E. Lee's army at Appomattox,
5: Virginia, forcing him to surrender and ending the war. Once Lee surrendered and the word got to the troops several hundred yards away, The black troops started celebrating and were quickly told to end their celebration because the war was not meant to embarrass white Southern brothers. The participation of
1: African-American soldiers in the war did help black Chicagoans overturn the racist black laws in Illinois. But there's also evidence the Civil War provoked resentment towards African-Americans. During the war, a driver prevented a black man, W.E. Walter, from getting on a horse-drawn omnibus, called him the N-word. Walter said he had never been treated like that before in Chicago. Now, remember, our questioner, Will, was taught that Chicagoans fought the good fight to end slavery and were the heroes. And it's true. The war brought about the end of slavery. But, as we've heard, most white Chicagoans, including Irish Americans, were not committed to ending slavery. They fought the war, or supported it, to keep the country together. And over time, many opposed the war. I met up with Will on a rainy day at Stephen Douglas' tomb in Bronzeville. We talked about how divided Chicago was. The Chicago Times, the racial tension... He says he wished he had learned more about the Civil War in Chicago growing up, with some of those less heroic stories as part of the picture. All history is valid. Like, if, if it happened, there's a there's something we can learn from it. There's, there's no point in ignoring those horrible facts, and I've never heard that. And it is a shame that we don't know everything. Curious City is produced by Stephen Jackson, Monica Eng, Joe Deso, and edited by Alexandra Solomon. This episode was reported by me, Jesse Dukes. Thanks to our voice acting troupe for reenacting the riot at the Chicago Times. Battle sounds came courtesy of the reenactors of the West Augusta Guard. Don't forget, Curious City relies on your questions. You can submit them at wbez.org/curiouscity. Curious City is supported by the Conant Family Foundation.